If Reality Check Radio enriches your day in life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and the dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. Here we go. We're starting a new year, a month into it, and already we're kind of talking about the same things as we did last year. And uh, right now I'm referring to the Midwifery Council's decision to remove the words mother, woman, and baby. Yes, remove mother, woman, and baby from its scope of practice. Uh, There's uh, an interesting piece in Chris Lynch's uh, Christchurch's newsroom or on his website, which uh, describes this. I'll get to the uh, piece. Here Here we go. In a statement from the Midwifery Council, Tangata Whenua co-chair Ngaranga Pritchard and Tangata Tariti co-chair Kerry Adams said, the revised scope of practice of a midwife was developed under the guidance of the council's Ropu Poheringa collaborative reference group. Members of the group comprised 14 midwives with a range of professional experience and five, only five, five consumers. So the words have been replaced by Thano, what is this all about? And obviously, we we are curious to hear from well, speak up for women in this case, and Suzanne Levy, who joins us for the first time in 2024. Suzanne, good to have you back. I hope you had a a good break, and uh, here here we are again. <laughs> oh, th- oh, thanks, Paul. It's uh, it's nice to be nice to be here in 2024. Yes. Yeah. Um. I said at the start there that we're kind of back into the same stuff. And I suppose, you know, um, there was an election last year, October, obviously, and and maybe some people haven't realised kind of what that means. Here we are still talking about, I would say, the absurd. Oh, look, I, I would agree. And it, it does at times appear as if um, there's, a, there's a lot of denial about the election result um, and this kind of you know, confusion is how could this possibly have happened as if nobody's been watching what's been going on for the last few years. Um, and somehow I just thought that the, you know, the, the um, incumbent government would, would remain um, despite so much opposition. And there's this real sort of, oh, my goodness, surprise this, um, that we suddenly have a different government, um, you know, which isn't going to be for everybody. But um, there you have it. It's democracy, and that's what people have voted for. So and you think like the Midwifery Council, who are there, really, the service is for women, really. I mean, I've had three kids. It, it I've is. had three and, midwives and, over that. And, okay, I was hovering around the edges, but it wasn't specifically for me. So so how, how, how could we possibly explain the removal of these foundational words in their mission? Well, this is an interesting one because it first kind of came to our attention um, around, it would have been October, November 2022, when they um, it was brought to our attention that there had been the scope of practice released and there had been feedback sought. Um, and we, we heard from some midwives who said, look, they don't seem to be taking any notice of the feedback from the first round and they've, they've issued their, their second um, second version of the scope, scope of practice. And, you know, and so as a result, a lot of people suddenly looked at it. Now, it's interesting that midwifery council aren't particularly good in terms of comms, and I, I think it's 
deliberate that you know for instance it's very difficult to find that current scope of con um yeah scope of practice it's not on the website where i can see it easily um and you know it was it was kind of a, a tricky one and so a lot of people gave feedback now that so the second round of feedback was in november 2022 and i just, just had a look at the the kind of summary of it i had 400 responses 90 percent of them were completely negative as in we don't support the new scope of practice um and these are the reasons um Five and a half percent were positive about the scope in general, scope of practice in general, but um, they had concerns about it. Only 3.7% were positive and approved of it. And that's that came out, that's 15 responses out of 400. Which is the margin so of error. Tiny number. It is, it is a margin of error kind of number. So, um, they, they don't seem to sort of be taking on board what what people are saying at all, but living in la-la land, to be honest. Um, so I guess what was um, – so, so they sought feedback in November 2022. They've got the feedback, and then in November last year, 2023, they announced via a newsletter, which doesn't really seem to get emailed out. It's just on their website if you happen to look. And it sort of says that they are going to be going ahead with that scope um, it's a, a report from the chief executive who says that, uh, what did she say? Earlier this year, the council received and considered feedback from the second round of public consultation on the revised scope of practice for midwives in Aotearoa, New Zealand. The council recently unanimously agreed to adopt that revised scope of practice with the inclusion of an explanatory note. So that's a hell of a lot of feedback to just give the middle finger to, you know. Um, and the, the other thing about this is that originally when we looked at it, we were looking at it through the gender lens, um, as in the, the general way that language is being erased. And at that stage, the Midwifery Council was sort of talking about chest feeding and, and birthing parents and all of that kind of stuff. This new scope of practice isn't problematic for those reasons, so much it's it's not um the main issue we have with it is that it's removing um it's changing the focus of a midwife's role from a woman to her family so that is incredibly problematic um from a a, a woman's a feminist woman's group who um believe in um you know reproductive sovereignty um, and autonom bodily autonomy for, for all women, the idea that a, a, um, an experience such as childbirth, which for many women is, uh, you know, their, their relationship with their midwife is sometimes the first time that they're having that special attention, that they're the, yeah. the, the focus of it, you know, they're... they're um, you know, they are the, 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 the centre of it all. To The idea that somehow they're not, that their family could be equally involved uh, is just a ridiculous notion, quite frankly. Um, and if you imagine across all cultures, um, all different sorts of families, there are going to be lots where it, it works perfectly, where the midwife turns up, she deals with the woman who's, you know, having, having the baby, um, and, and they're a family involved and everything's tickety-boo and everyone's happy and, 
that you know the woman's discussing her birthing plan with her partner or her mum or whoever else, her auntie, and she's discussing it with the with the midwife, and then everyone's happy and there's no friction, there's no there are no issues. That that's that situation. Not everybody's family is like that. Not everybody's culture is like that. Not everybody's situation is like that. So you could have a situation where a woman, she may be considering an abortion. She should be able to have a confidential conversation with her midwife about that. And and the focus should just be on her view, on on what she is what she is after, what you know, what she needs. Um and I believe midwives are um, more than capable of navigating their way through family situations. I'm sure that they have been doing it for decades. Absolutely, you know. I, I've interviewed midwives on this program who've who've um, been involved in more than two thousand births. Yeah, yeah. Hello. You know, yes. that, that, I mean, that's. Yeah. If you haven't got it kind of your head around it by then, and there are many with that level of experience, um, why do you think there's this, you know, there's this shifting to the family whānau is being used? Is that to, is that some kind of virtue signal to maoridom? It, it could be. Um, and, and if so, it's why? It's a, it's a cultural, it's a cultural approach, um, and I guess, but it's. It, it's a bit too blanket of an approach, isn't it? So, um, in, in some cultures, that you may be very much pushing against the fact that everybody but the woman is making the decisions, and you know, and a, midwif a midwife's position is one where she can actually make a difference there, and um, you know, she's in a position to um, you know, look at whether there are issue, any issues with family violence. Um, you know, she can do a domestic violence assessment. Very, very hard to do when your number one priority is not not the woman. Um, so it's it's I, I can't I can't completely explain why they're doing it. It seems like a rage of, of of a woman woman's autonomy. Um, it seems like we're taking away that that right of a woman to make those decisions on potentially on her own. And it's not to say she's going to be encouraged to make the decisions on her own. If she's got a, a, a healthy um, family around her who are involved and, and, you know, everything's, everything's good. Or even if it's not that good, even if it's just kind of normal, like everyone, um, you know, you still, you've still got your, your family involved. It's not an exclusive. It, ne it never has been. Um, you know, you've been involved, I'm sure, with midwives, with you know, the children. Obviously, not having them, but you know, you're you're there, and you know that you're not you're not ushered out of the room and told that you don't matter. It's not about that. It's about saying that um, when push comes to shove, the midwife's number one priority is is the woman, is the mother. It's so. It seems to me that uh, again, with the um, the words that have have been removed, uh, it seems to me that it, there's a dehumanizing kind of thing going on here. Childbirth, well, childbirth is childbirth. That's what it yeah, is. It, it mothers is. are mothers, babies are babies. Breastfeeding is breastfeeding. That's yeah, it's like there's this machine. You know, you've got this far now, and you've got this machine in that family who are who's responsible for popping the baby out. 
and we'll give them some consideration, but ultimately the baby belongs to the family. Um, and that isn't... That's kind of sinister, it seems to me. It, 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 it is sinister. I, th- I think it, it, it... I see it as sinister. Yeah, I um I think it's I think it's dangerous. I also don't think I'd be very interested in legal opinions on the scope of practice. So the midwifery scope of practice is a bit unique in that it's not just a document that the midwifery council put out when they feel like it. It's actually it actually gets passed into legislation. So there's a of legislation called the Midwifery Scope of Practice and Qualifications Notice, and at the moment it's 2010, 2010. Mm. So this scope of practice, um, in theory, um, goes to the Minister of Health, who has to present, I think, present it to Parliament. But it's, it's in the past, it's been very much a rubber stamping kind of exercise. So it, uh, you know... Scope of practice goes to the minister. Minister minister just takes it on advice that it's all it's all sweet and it gets passed into legislation. So where we where we want to get involved is to actually stop that process and say, well, hang on, this this isn't sound. This isn't legally sound. And the reason it isn't legally sound is that the relationship between a medical practitioner is always between that medical practitioner and one person. It's not between. A medical practitioner and some, you know, indeterminate number of people. The large blob of funnel. Yeah. yeah, you, you, yeah, you can't, you can't say. Well, what? Where is her responsibility? Is her responsibility for the, um, for the auntie who, um, or the one who intimidates more the than most? A, sorry, what was that? The, the one in the, far, the family who intimidates the most. Well, yes, I mean. Yeah, what what does she do? What sort of position is that to put a, a midwife in to say, well, actually, you have to th- consider everybody where she doesn't even have a scope of practice to back her up, where she can say, look, my job is to look after the mother. Yeah. If she can't say that, she can't do that. So, and if she's put it, you know, 90% or 99% of the time or some number, who knows what their number is, it'll be fine because... People, people are generally pretty good, you know, and and they're not going to have read the scope of practice necessarily. They're not going to be saying to the midwife, "Hey, you need to look after all of us." We've been doing yeah. this for a long time. I mean, I my kids first one thirty two years ago, and all this was was quite well developed then. This is mm. this has been going on for. You'd think that that this is only a new thing. It's been going on for decades. People have refined the practice of this over. Multiple decades. They have. And I think even, you know, going back to the gender sort of side of it, it's always um I always thought it's all pretty silly because the midwives I know, and I know I know quite a few of them who've been in the job for a long time, and I know my own midwife. Um and there's all this sort of stuff about not using the term mother, but using birthing parent or whatever. Because obviously now that men can get pregnant, it's all changed. So um but my my kind of thing is that the midwives I know are more than capable, in fact, super capable of walking into any family situation and sussing it out and using the appropriate language and, and just working it out, working out that things are a bit different, that somebody's got different different requirements than than usual. Um, you know, you don't have to change the language for everybody. 
it, it, it's kind of in, in some ways it's insulting to midwives to say that they have to change all of that language just for a small number because the midwives aren't capable of picking up when they might need to use different language, you know? And I, mean, I think I look back to when um, I had um, our daughter 20, nearly 21 years ago, and I'm a, a lesbian, so she had two mums, um, and the midwives were fantastic. They picked it up, they figured it out, and they, you know, they ran with it. There were there were no issues. There was no, it's not difficult, and I don't believe it would be any more difficult with a somebody with a, you know, saying that they have a, a different gender identity. I think midwives would just go with it. Um, there's a petition uh, by Ashburton yeah. midwife Deb Hayes. And you can see that in the petitions or on the petitions page of the parliamentary website. So, and yeah, we've been you know, promoting that. Yeah, yeah, good. And also the figures you mentioned just before, where where the the sort of approval of this is in the margin of error. We're not talking about men on the midwifery council, are we? I'm picking. I mean, it might be. No, no, we're not. So, no. why are women doing this to women? That is a very good question. And if I could answer that, um, I'd be on some sort of speaking circuit, you know, earning squillions. But um, why, I don't know, why are women so, so happy to remove power from other women or erase, erase other women? So, um, so it's either brainwashed into a, an illogical sort of irrational frame of mind or it's a follow the money. Or, more. or it's a, or or some of it. I mean, there are a lot of women who just want to please men. There are still women. There are a lot of women. But like I don't that. know any man who's wanting this, unless you're talking about trans men. No, I, to... I honestly, I honestly can't explain it. It just seems to be sort of the overall kind of kind of thing where the the role of the the mother is just being gradually diminished, and you see it in things like surrogacy as well which is a complete kind of um you know it's even it's even even worse but you know in order in order for things like surrogacy to to become normalized which i hope i hope it doesn't you need this sort of language as well where you're taking the focus off women or off a woman having well, off, a baby. Off, off the human, the specific off the hum, yeah, the human, description and, and of the human element, yeah. Yeah, and the fact that whatever you whatever you call it um, and however you try to focus things, you know, um, actually at the centre of it is, is a woman having a baby um, because only a woman can do that. So, you know, but all the scenarios that kind of, um, and a lot of them are around surrogacy, um, where you're trying to sort of take that special relationship away and say, well, it's not that special because we can just sever it when the baby's born. Um, and, you know, so I kind of, um, because I have a bit of a thing about surrogacy as well, I look at this sort of scope of practice and think that it kind of fits in with all of that um all of that kind of removal of women being the centre of it, the woman having the baby being the centre of it, though you know the the Farnell um, part of it is kind of at odds with that too. But so it's not completely clear that it's to do with surrogacy. But that's one of the things I personally pick up is that it's 
it's removing the importance of the woman having the baby in order to make her not so important when you um, have other plans for that child. So it, that's kind of another another um, part of it that I that I see. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's, it's part of the overall kind of climate where where women are just not the focus of their own their own lives. Yeah, by other women. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. They, they use the term cultural humility, um, and there's a, a Teteriti or Waitangi component to this, and that may be what needs to happen for a certain group. Let's say, but you can't. Yeah, you you can't impose that on the vast majority. You make a niche service for that, wouldn't you? If there was a demand for it. Uh, well, again, I th- I think that midwives are more than capable of working working that out. And and I know, um, you know, when you, when you are having a baby, you think about who is going to be your midwife and who's going to work for you. As in, who's going to, you know, what sort of person is going to. Um, likely give you give you a good experience. So you would, um, you know. So you can imagine when I was when I was pregnant, I asked sort of certain questions. I asked around a little bit about who might be a, a good midwife for us and or for me. And you know, and you find out and you and you work with that person. And I would expect that I would expect that other cultures would be a little bit the same, and that they would kind of kind of ask around like who would be a you know given my particular situation my culture, my family, all of those things, because they are they are relevant. You know, I'm not saying that whānau isn't relevant. It's just not not the focus. Yeah, but where's um, the demand coming from there? What, you, well, you're telling well, me the average Māori citizen is demanding this sort of midwifery consideration? I don't think so. I doubt so. they're demanding. I doubt anyone's demanding anything. It's not about demanding. It's just about being saying, well, you know, this is the kind of person that's likely to Likely, likely, I'm likely to feel comfortable with them, you know. And it's a, obviously it's it's a pretty important relationship the relationship a woman has with her with her midwife. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I would, yeah, I, I'd just say. Um, well, they spend three hundred and thirty, sorry, three hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars on this. By the way. Um, which that's, is that's what they've spent in con- consultation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that money probably would have been better going towards um, sticking up for the midwives. They drop kicked out of their jobs, so this form here they have a a kind of um, a track record here. Uh, so that's right. a, that's, that's a complete waste of money. Obviously, that's why I wonder about follow the money. Who gets that money? Who makes that money? You know. Well, there'll be people that they're supposedly consulting on friends of. Well, yeah, who knows? How do you know? And yeah. How do you know? How do, we don't I don't know who they are. Um you could I actually I think that somebody actually I think somebody has OIA'd who they used. Um I'd have yeah. to have to be worth looking looking that up. But I would be interested to see what legal advice they had because I can't see how this can go this can be passed into legislation given that it's pretty much at odds with Medical what, practice. Why, why would they open themselves to this sort of embarrassment, professional embarrassment, do you think? Well, see, I don't think they thought anyone would see it. <laughs> it's also it's also close. They must think we're dumb as a sack of rocks, mm. which is okay. incredibly arrogant of them, by the way. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think they must. They, they just thought that they could sneak this through, and because you know, they had the first round of feedback that had, I think, half the number of um, responses, and and it was, I tell you how positive or negative that was. Um, nah, oh, lost the document, but um, sure. yeah, there, you know, there, it was a, it was similar. It, it was possibly not quite as uh, black and white, but it was clearly against. Yeah. But that was when they were kind of trying really not to, they weren't particularly asking for feedback. So, you know, they were really just trying to push it through. Surely um, the other thing too, we'll wind up in just a second, but there'll be vast numbers of midwives um, in in this service who think this is ridiculous. So that sets up a sort of like a, um, well, I'd say an unacceptable relationship, foundation relationship with your council and I mm, know, oh, I agree. And I and I imagine there'll be some who'll just say, well, we'll just keep doing what we've always done. And there'll yep. be others who are um who are bothered by the implications, who will feel uneasy about the um the fact that the, the care relationship has changed and from a legal point of view. So I think, you know, there'll be there'll be different takes on it. There, there may be some women who don't want to work as midwives any longer. Because yeah. they, they can't they can't meet those um, they don't feel they can actually provide the service that they sign Time up. Time for an alternative service, Suzanne. Do you think? I know there's probably hoops to jump through to do that, but you know, um, I I can't see how you could describe the leadership of the Midwifery Council as fit for purpose. They're insane. I think they've lost, they've certainly lost the plot. Yeah, well, that's um, the definition of insanity. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think have they um, have they released a statement about this just recently? Because I was looking, like, um, have they released something else? Not that I've seen in my notes here. Okay, yeah, um, there is a call no, for Shane Retty, the health minister, to intervene. Yeah, well, that's that's what we'll be pushing for because it's basically his his call. He has to present this legislation to Parliament. And in the past, as I said before, it's it's more or less just been a formality. So, you know, that's probably what the midwifery council are expecting is that it just, you know, they give it to the minister. The minister just assumes that they've done due diligence, that it's all, um, you know, all the T's are crossed and I's dotted and what have you. And, and it would just go through. So we need to disrupt that process and say, look, this legislation that you're putting through, it's going to, it's actually going to cause issues. Because that's what will stop them. That's that's the kind of thing that will actually make them stop and lock. Not necessarily because they care about women, but because they care about how um, they care about the legal position they're putting people in. That's oh, well. what's more likely to stop them. So maybe people um, listening to this and aware of this uh, need to sort of like uh, hit hard uh, the inbox of Shane Retty's office. Yeah, I think if you send a. Um, Send an email to the minister, and you can send it. His email address will be um, s reti at ministers.govt.nz because he's got as a minister he has a different address. Um, you can email him and just say that you're um, concerned about the the scope of practice that midwives are that the midwifery council is proposing. And you like it to be um, looked at, and or removed, um, and not go into legislation as planned. I'm just looking on their website, and uh, I think the uh, the last reference to this 
um, goes back quite a, a long way. There's not too, you know, much content on their um, their sort of publications page, but they have just closed a consultation on um, the naming policy of the council. So that's something else that's going on. So- well, what what they say in their newsletter, which was November, um, is that. Um, as I, I read it out before, they unanimously agreed to adopt that revised scope of practice, uh, blah, blah. There are a few further steps to be taken before the revised scope of practice can be publicly released. These are currently being addressed and the council anticipates being able to send the revised scope of practice to Kahu Pokai midwives before the end of the year. We expect the revised scope of practice to come into effect on the 1st of July 2024. Yeah. No, it won't. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm picking. It I don't think. I actually don't think it will. I, I, think, I, I think if no one knew about it, it would. Yeah. Which is, you know, is is the the same. It's out of the stealth playbook that we've seen quite a lot of over the last couple of years. So it, it's um along those lines, and I think enough people are getting wise to it, and hopefully, and, and people are getting much better at, at just firing emails off to ministers as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, we've all seen now how easy it is to do that sort of thing. Uh, our our ministers are actually pretty accessible in terms of you can fire an email off and they really have to respond. Somebody in their office reads it. And that election result tells them everything they need to know. Yeah, it does. But it should yeah. give confidence, some spine um, it should do, yeah. And, it, and it's, I mean, it's a fascinating election result and that it's kind of got so many different edges to it, you know. Sure has, um, yeah. Which, yeah, but but it, it, they, do have a, they do have a mandate in some areas and they do need to listen and they do have support. They, they've got support from groups that they were told wouldn't support anything, you know, or were wrong, or and, and it's turned out that those, those people are actually admitted majority so it's interesting Suzanne good to catch up again won't be the last time this year I am sure I wonder no, how long this um, this kind of overreach of ideology will go on considering this change you know the change we're just talking about it takes a bit of time to slow the big ship down I suppose it'll it'll take a bit of time but I, I'm confident it will it will slow down but we can't we can't let up on it we've been in contact um we've written ministerial briefings to, I think, 10, 10 ministers that sort of work within the areas that we're particularly interested in. Hmm. Um, and we'll be meeting with some. And, yeah, we're, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to get our, our um, vision out there for how, you know, um, our ideas about what, how we see things could be changed or improved. Um, and hopefully this, this government is more likely to listen to some of that stuff. Suzanne Levy, Speak Up for Women. Thanks for coming on again, Suzanne. Thanks, Paul. RCR is on a mission to revive honest media. It's a good mission. And now you can be an integral part of it by joining the RCR Foundation Members Club. Receive exclusive benefits only available to club members, including discounted merch, your backstage pass to join the host for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions and the popular daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes. Delivered to your email inbox every weekday morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. 
To find out more, check out www.realitycheck.radio forward slash members or click the FMC button on the bottom right of your RCR app.